Blog Talk Radio. Magic mirrors, either the overhead 
uh, mirror hanging down from uh, the ceiling in which we get under and look up at, or the soul door, which is, as most of you know, a large portal uh, in the, looks the size of a doorway uh, in the wall of the temple, surrounded, if you are able to do so, with an Egyptian-style arch, uh, and a dark mirror, the whole door is uh, is a dark mirror. So you can use either one of these. Um, the advantage, of course, in using the um, uh, using the um, cell door is that you can uh, use Kusor's boat, and I think we have discussed that in previous uh, programs. And those of you who have our pathworking video, you know Kusor's boat is shown at the uh, at the end of the of the video on the first basic path workings. Kusor's boat is uh, about 14 inches long and it's shaped like an ibis. It has a cockpit, it has a compass, it has a couple of candle holders on the ports so you can put candles on either on the port and starboard ports and you can uh, the candles, the color, the spheres and uh, also gives you a little bit of hypnotic quality there. You have a rudder on the boat, and if you're using the boat individually, you can put your own wax simulacrum in it, or if it, in a group, of course, then we put the boat on the top of the altar. It has its wings folded on either side, and um, the uh, starboard side of the boat is all white, and uh, the port side of the boat is all black, and the wings, of course, are uh, the same color charge. So when the boat in, uh, takes off from the top of the altar, it spreads its wings and flies through the soul door. And, of course, it then can go anywhere on the tree of life, or in this case, we can use it to fly out into the universe. Curious. Uh, it then becomes a star boat. Now, uh, that's as I say, is a good technique to use with a soul door, but then when you're, when you're forming a ground star underneath the overhead mirror and you're looking up, we have, you know, where we put a tattoo on the mirror and you'd all stare up at it. Those of you who have our Rites of Magic video, and, and of course also the Pathway video, you've seen this, this technique demonstrated. But that doesn't work out so well with the boat, so we have to we have to go. But the mirror has its own advantages, so either system either system will work. Now, um, how this particular path, uh, this particular astral time travel system came came about back in uh, 1972, well, 73, um, we we. Developed our pathworking system based upon Kirpal Singh's uh, original Ekankar system, which of course uh, we got we, we got ours directly from Kirpal Singh, not from Paul Twitchell. But uh, uh, we of course tabulized it. You know, Kirpal Singh's Sikh Sant Guru, so we uh, tabulized his attention point technique. And I think most of you are listeners and, and of course, associate members. You're also here familiar with that. But um, Kirpal Singh's pathworking system is, is, I think, generally recognized as the best. And it's fairly deep uh, hypnotic trance is required. So uh, um, 
what we got into at this point, we started doing these these path workings, and and time travel seemed to be a logical thing to the next step. It just seemed to be something that we wanted to do, and and so I, I got a little book, uh, one of Weiser's Paths of Power, called uh, uh, Practical Time Travel by Colin Bennett. It's a little bitty thing. I don't think it's probably not available anymore. Uh, he had he had a uh, hypnotic approach, similar to similar to what we were doing, uh, and but he was mainly concerned with previous incarnations, and and uh, and you know when you're doing a group time travel, uh, and you have to pick a destination uh, for a group, uh, individual uh, previous incarnation isn't going to work so well. So so we started thinking about uh, uh, doing this sort of in a in a general kind of a way. So. So a group of people could could experience it and enjoy it. We wouldn't have to depend on previous. We do previous incarnations, of course, in our path workings as as now and also in our yoga. So we didn't need to do uh, to follow Colin Bennett's ideas on on uh, past lives. But some of what he some of his suggestions were good in hypnosis. He had, I think, this may have been what. What originally started off, he had a, an initial exercise in that book where you went out and lay down and looked up at the stars, and you and you realized how far the stars were away, and and you gave yourself a feeling of the immensity of space and time. And as far as he was concerned, this was a preliminary to his other uh, methods. This was just to give you an expanded sense of time. But I think it inspired me, and I thought, oh, oh boy, looking out at those stars and how far they are, are they away. And at that point, I thought, wait a minute. Uh, this is one of these ahas that hit. Uh, we're looking out at a star, and we're seeing that star. And that star is, let's say it's 500 light years away. Well, that means that the light that we are are seeing, the light that we are actually seeing is 500 years ago. We're seeing that star five, 500 years ago. So, um, being already infused with magical thinking, I thought, well, if we're seeing that star 500 years ago, then if we were to uh, go to that star, not with the speed of light, but with the speed of thought, which is instantaneous, if we were to go to that star, then we would be 500 years in the past because that's what we're seeing. We're going, going to what we're seeing. Now, I know this, this is magical thinking. Well, this is really magic, but, but still, it has, a certain, it has a certain elegance to it. So I thought, uh, okay, so we're seeing the star 500 years ago. All right, let's go to the star. That gets us 500 years in the past. Then let's look back at Earth, or Saul, of course, and say, okay, that's now we're seeing that 500 years uh, in the past. And so we'll go back to the Earth and, and, and go back to the solar system and land on Earth, and my gosh, we're 1,000 years in the past. Oh, boy. So this just kind of dawned on me. And as I say, Colin Bennett had this book, you just go out lie. Well, I look up at the stars and, and, and realize, and, 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 and I just did. I I read that and I thought, uh huh. And then I came up with this idea of the of the, the light years behind. Now, um, so we figure out how to project to that star, 
through a, a ritual hypnotic process, and we'll project out there, and then we'll come back, and we'll be a thousand years in the past. Oh, boy. Automatic magical time machine. Now, I have to admit, i got to admit this now, and I know I'm going to get kidded about it, but then I, I really should admit it, that I think something that from my childhood that I had, that I had read and looked at uh, and loved had something to do with this also. And that is that, and I don't think any of you, very few of you remember Captain Marvel. Uh, probably hardly any of you do because Superman sued Captain Marvel and put him out of business. Actually, that was kind of unfair because Captain Marvel was more original than Superman, but Superman had the money. They had the big bucks, and so they put Captain Marvel out of business. But for a while, when I was growing up, Captain Marvel was, was really popular. Well, anyway, Captain Marvel, uh, instead of me and Clark Kent, where he just, you know, he was Superman all the time and just took off his business suit and went on the phone booth and took off his business suit and became Superman. Uh, instead of that, Captain Marvel was more magical. Captain Marvel was a little crippled newsboy named Billy Batson. And Billy Batson uh, got, because he was such a good little newsboy and he deserved it and all this, the, the great wizard, the immortal wizard Shazam, gave Billy Batson the magic word that he could say, and it would transform him into the superhero Captain Marvel. And that word, that word of course, was the same name as the wizard, Shazam. Well, Shazam, of course, stood for uh, the strength of, of, of Atlas and the, and the heroics of Hercules and the, and the uh, wisdom of Athena and, you know, and all, and all of the powers of the gods. Well, um, Shazam had a palace. All wizards should have a palace, you know. And Shazam had a palace, but his palace was out in the middle of the universe, right in the center of the universe, on a pinnacle of rock that rose up, well, from the bottom of the panel on a page of the comic book, of course, it rose up, you know, and you couldn't see the bottom of it. But there it was out there in the stars, this pinnacle rock with this palace on the side of it, and this was the rock of eternity where Shazam had his palace. Now, if Captain Marvel wanted to go anywhere in time, back in time, all he had to do was fly around the Rock of Eternity, because that was the center of the universe, I see. He could fly around it, and, and there were all these vectors, and these vectors were lined out, and they, and they wrote down, of course, on the comic book page that it was, that was uh, 10,000 years ago to Atlantis and, 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 and 5,000 years ago to, uh, uh, you know, to Babylon and, and 2,000 years ago to Cleopatra and Egypt and all that kind of stuff. So all he had to do was just go circling around the Rock of Eternity, and, and he, could, he could go anywhere back in time. Well, um, of course, uh, that, 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 I remember that. I, I think I can, I can close. I can. I don't even need to close my eyes. I can see it on the wall. I can. I can project that panel. I can see it perfectly. So that's how much of an impression it made on me. Oh, by the way, Mad Magazine is a satire on Captain Marvel, and they came up with a magic word. Instead of Shazam, it was Shazoom, and Shazoom meant strength, health, aptitude. Ox power of one, ox power of another, money. That was Shazoom. But anyway, I think it was not. It wasn't Shazoom that killed Captain Marvel. It was Superman suing Captain Marvel. But, but then, then not to leave Superman out. 
those of you who remember Superman's time travel method, he would circle the Earth at top speed. Of course, Superman's top speed was pretty top, as you know, it's over the top. He would circle the Earth against the sun, and he would go go forward in time that way or backward in time, whichever way he wanted to, by circling against the sun. So, uh, not wanting to leave Superman out, even though he did unfairly vanquish Captain Marvel. Uh, we used that as a return method. Now, here's how, how we work this thing out. Um, take the star, and in order to do this, and to do it right, uh, you, have to, you have to get a lot of astronomical data. You have to have uh, a catalog of all the stars and, and, and how far away they are and whatever. And you, and you should have, uh, you, you should, really what you ought to do, and this is especially easy now when we have the Hubble, you should get very good photographs of these stars that you're going to use, these points, so you can visualize them, so you know where you're, you know, you really know where you're going. Um, then, as far as the location, now, um, uh, there's really a bit of kind of, uh, we're kind of a damned if you do and damned if you don't in a situation like this because uh, if we give you a lot of data and pictures and, and, and graphics and maps and everything else, uh, then we're, we're, we're filling you with preconceived uh, stuff. So what, 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 so you might ask the question, well, you guys, yeah, you're going to go, uh, all right, you're going to go to Alexandria 2,000 years ago. All right, now that's fine. But, but if you go and show everybody uh, a lot of pictures of Alexandria, then that's what they're going to see. And you're, why not, why not just tell them that's where they're going and don't tell them what they're going to see and then find out. Well, uh, it's kind of a combination of the two. Now, here again, let me uh, revert to my favorite analogy in this case, military versus civilian magic. <laughs> okay. Now, if the Army is going to do this, and, uh, or the Air Force is going to do or NASA is going to do this, and gosh knows they might because, you know, we've spent a lot of taxpayers' money doing stuff like this. Uh, if they wanted to do this, they what they would do is they would give you nothing but absolutely factual stuff. In other words, yeah, sure, you get a photograph of the star. That's good. We can do that. That's factual. And then if it comes to an ancient uh, location, it better be archaeologically correct right down to the as you know, closest we can get it. Now, that would satisfy, that would actually satisfy military uh, standards for something like this. And I may, you may be thinking while I'm saying this, oh, come on, the military isn't going to go visit Alexandria a thousand years ago and go, out and go out to some star and go around and commit. Yes, actually, they might. And here's the reason. We have discovered, and it's not wishful thinking or romantic, uh, um, egotistical uh, 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 wishful thinking anymore. It is, it is hard, cold fact that the human mind consciousness can project itself almost anywhere. And I say almost because I don't know how far we've been able to do it yet, but it doesn't seem to be any limit. And we've proved this, the Russians have proved this. And, and, and so what it is, it's for people who are not really steeped in hermetic philosophy, this is kind of a scary thing. I mean, it really is. Because what? Uh, how, can, how can this possibly be? 
how can a human being sitting in a trance uh, in a room with a map go and, and find out what's going on inside a room in, in a Siberian racket station? Huh? But they can, and they do. Now, you tell me how. I know how. I know how. But almost nobody, including including the, the, the government people that are actually doing this, can really give you a straight answer as to how they can do it. But Hermes Trismegistus 2,000 years ago told us exactly how we can do it. And basically, it's the old rock of eternity again. According to Hermes, and I'll read you a little section here. Hang on. This is out of my favorite, The Way of Hermes. That's that new book uh, uh, that, that is really the epitome, I think, of hermetic teachings. Um, now, um, according to according to the way of Hermes, Hermes says, and I quote directly, consider this, command your soul to go anywhere and it will be there quicker than your command. Bid it to go to the ocean and again it is there at once. Not as if it had gone from place to place, but was already there. Order it to fly up to heaven, and it will need no wings, nor will anything impede it. Neither the fire of the sun, nor the aether, nor the whirlwind, nor any other heavenly bodies, but cutting through them all, it will soar up to the last body, and if you wish to break through all this, and contemplate what is beyond, if there is anything beyond the cosmos, it is in your power. And that was written almost 2,000 years ago. And, and so, uh, you know, the, uh, the rock of eternity in Captain Marvel isn't quite so, isn't quite so silly uh, when you think about it, because the idea here is that everybody has God inside them, and everybody has an equal part of God, and you can't quantify or qualify God. If you've got part of God, you've got all of God, if you if you make use of it. You are the center of the universe. The universe has no boundary, and you're the center of it. So this means that wherever you, wherever you want the center to be, that's where your, your center is going to be, wherever you want to send it. And this is what makes this work. I know it makes it work, and yes, it does, and we 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 know that and all that. But but then on the other hand, how how much are we, especially in romantic romantic magical practice, how much are we loading in advance? How much are we? Uh, how much of this is uh, is a power of suggestion that we're implanting to start with? How much of this is what we want, not exactly what we want? It's not what we need; it's what we want. How much of this? Well, the government, you know, when they do it, they they are very concerned with what they call analytical overlays. Now, that's uh, what they mean by that is, is that when they they will lay out for a for a remote viewer, they'll lay out map coordinates and they'll lay out, uh, and they may even give him aerial photographs, satellite photographs, whatever, that which they know is actually there, and they're sure it's there, and then they'll send him off. And they want to know just exactly what his first impressions are and nothing else. They don't want him to try to analyze what he's seeing. They want a report about, okay, what you see, what you hear, that's it. And, and don't try to interpret it. That's up to them. 
I have, in all my years of magic, I've discovered the same thing. Uh, I've worked with some psychic magicians that were just marvelously psychic, but I ended up having to interpret their visions because their interpretation of their vision was, was didn't seem to be didn't seem to be what a you could I, I could tell that they were exaggerating and that they were picking stuff preconceived stuff out they were, they were you can tell and so you have to you have to interpret first off now so those are the limitations if we were doing this from a uh, you know, from an intelligence standpoint. But we're not. We're doing this for personal development. We're doing this for within a romantic tradition. So therefore, we don't have, but we should be aware of all of this because what this technique that we're doing, and I want to make this very clear, this technique that we're doing is not just a, this isn't just an entertainment. This, this we have actually, I, I think we've learned a few things in ancient Alexandria, I'm not going to say what they are, but but but, but I've I've had some surprises, and I've you know I've led the uh, usually the person who leads either the path working or the time travel group is not going to be in as deep a trance as those who are going with him. But even so, I, I've picked up a few things that that I didn't expect to find, and uh, there are. So uh, this is this is a very powerful technique and a very useful technique, and um, and quite frankly, uh, very very enjoyable and and inspiring technique. But the main purpose of it is not so much to find out uh, to translate uh, the lost books of Manetho in, in, in the library in Alexandria. Um, I can't even remember what shelf they're on. Tell you the truth, but but. Uh, I wish I could because those, those books are boy, oh boy. But then again, if we publish those things today, they they would cause a probably uh, well, uh, Gauss, the Gaza Strip would get completely wiped out. It wouldn't just get uh, get transferred. Anyway, uh, the um, the point of this is that. Try to make sure, if you really want real information, try to make sure that you don't that you don't load up preconceived instructions, any, any preconceived uh, graphics or anything that 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 are not archaeologically sound. So what do we want to do when we do Solomon's Temple? Oh my gosh! Well, we do Solomon's Temple, of course. Well, there we have to. Now here's a, another side. This thing. There, when we do Solomon's Temple, we have to get mythological. We have to because Solomon's Temple uh, in the way we conceive it is pretty much a myth. Both a Masonic myth and a Biblical myth. Um, Solomon's Temple in, in if there, if there I, I think there was a Solomon's Temple I know uh, Karim, Karim uh, Kusa thinks that there was and he thinks it's just that it was just them talking about the Temple of uh, Melkart of Tyre but, which of course it was obviously the model for it. But no, I think there was a Temple of Solomon, but what it probably was was something very much like the Kaaba. It's just, you know, a big square uh, mud brick building, um, and and inside they would have all of the little tribal gods would have their nation and have their, their gods and their nation, 
each one of them would have a day or a time when they could come in there and take their god out, put it in the center of the temple, and do their thing. So uh, probably the the uh, uh, the Levites and tribe of Benjamin and, and, and the tribe of Judah, which were all the original Jews anyway, they probably had had their the ark, uh, which was an Egyptian box uh, that they had, and they probably had this this ark, and they probably had it in their own niche. And on Saturdays they got to come in and put it in the center of the temple, and you know, and and. So when Ezra uh, was writing the Bible in captivity, he romanced this into being, into being Solomon's temple. Now that's that's the hard, hard, cruel reality of it. All right. Well, I'm not going to bother. You know, I'm not going to I'm not going to try to get people back to something like that because we have created a a, a very usable, uh, a very very usable and a very worthwhile myth of Solomon's temple. And he's gone into great detail to do it. So it lives in, in mythological time, and there's more that we can find out about it in the, in the mythological time that it exists. So when we take a time travel to Solomon's Temple, we're going to go to Solomon's Temple as it is described in the Bible, because that's the mythological description of it. Now, you may say that's wrong, but at least we will know, at least our Time travelers, they they know that they're going to myth time. They're going to they're, they're they're visiting the myth time. One of the things that makes this kind of uh, kind of easy to uh, rationalize, if you want to, is the simultaneous concept. You know, I think I think there's a dimension. Let's let's put it this way: there's a dimension where Solomon's temple is just exactly as it's described in the Bible. And there's a dimension where where King Arthur lives in Camelot, and it's just the way it's described in Mallory. Somewhere in the simultane, in all of the slices of the simultane, these these parallel worlds exist. And if they don't, they should. But we should still be aware of you know what we know from archaeology. No, we we need to be we need to be sophisticated. Take a tantric Buddhist attitude toward all of this, and you'll have no problem with it whatsoever. Okay? Anyway, um, to get back to the technical aspects of this thing, um, so let's say we're going to we're going to want to go out to, um, um, you know, out, uh, well, I'll do I'll exactly. Uh, we picked Betel Geese in Orion. By the way, Orion has a lot of interesting stars. Including, uh, well, I have a personal star out there too, but that's another aspect that about this that, that should fascinate all of you is that each one of you, everybody has their own star. Yeah, and if you got your own star, that that your star in the ascendant, if you do, and you, what we all do, wouldn't it be nice to be able to visit it? And your star, if it's any good at all? It probably has a nice planet around it, and, and you know you could. And who knows? Maybe you had a previous incarnation. There is all kinds of stuff. But visiting your own star, whether whether you want to romance your star or not, if you're a scientific frame of mind, of my star is a red dwarf, and I'm like, <laughs> all right, yeah, well, go there and and see how the red dwarfs live. But um, so this now that brings us to the next essential part of this. As we have mentioned over and over and over again, 
Astrology is the bedrock of hermetic science and magic. It is the bedrock of hermetic science and magic. Now, why is it, and why, and why, why is that the case? Yeah, sure. If you're a chaos magician, you throw astrology out. But we're not chaos magicians. Uh, we're cosmos magicians. Okay. So the reason why astrology is important to us, whether even if it didn't work, even if even if it had only been invented a couple hundred years ago instead of uh, twenty-two thousand years ago, it, it even it, even if it had, we would still need it because. The magician is the center of his universe. And astrology is geocentric. And whether or not uh, that, you know, Copernicus is fine. And, and we have no problem with Copernicus. But astrology is geocentric because the universe, from your perspective, is, is, is euocentric. It's humanocentric. And this is why the geocentric astrology system works so well with magic. And as I said once, uh, and I will say again many times, if you are going to be the ruler of your universe, then you need a universe to be the ruler of. And if you say, okay, well, I'm going to go out and I'm going to go out and be the ruler of the universe the way it is, well. Too bad, because the universe the way it is is so vast and so complex and so far beyond your understanding that I'm afraid it's going to take you at least 10 incarnations before you can even approach it. So it's much better to have a mythological universe, which we know works. I said it's 22,000 years, years old. Well, that's what I think. But we know damn well, and for an absolute fact, that it started Bullseye, Taurus, and the Pleiades back 4,200 years ago when, when, when Taurus was right on the ecliptic at spring equinox. Okay. Now, I think it actually was a previous age of Taurus, but that's my opinion, but whatever. However, that's when it started. And data has been collected meticulously ever since. So the labors of Hercules and that we all have to do over these incarnations are very, very well worked out in the heavens and on earth as far as the data is concerned. Ptolemy gathered up all of that that had been collected for thousands of years in Babylon, and he codified it all under the Aegis of Alexander, and uh, then so the common era, the beginning of the common era, or a few, a couple hundred years before the beginning of the common era, we had what is now what we now call astrology, what we now consider astrology. But it has, it, has, it has statistical data that goes back 3,000 years before that. And that's why, even though this is a mythological universe, which you can grasp, you can learn this, you can handle it, and it works. So this is your universe. Huh? Yeah. So that's why this... This time travel system is also hooked to astrology. It's, it's hooked to this magical universe, but it needs to be, in order to be effective, it needs to be precise. And the more precise you make it, the more effective it is. Now, 
we started off in in seventy seventy three, I think, was doing the 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 uh, stellar analog astrological time travel uh, and our astro time travel, and ever since then we've been working toward toward making the mythological and astrological universe more and astronomical universe too more more accessible almost from an engineering point of view. And we finally, finally, after all the, we, we, we finally managed to accomplish what Lee and Kelly tried to do and couldn't do. And, and uh, we did this uh, about, I don't know, see this uh, well, I've been working on it for God knows how long, but I mean, finally I got uh, Dr. Krupp down at the observatory to give me some computer hints on how to get it together. Now we did it, and it's in the green ray. So if you really want to find out the engine that makes, that, that puts the fine touches on this, the the system of of calibration, shall we say, the way to line up the vectors. You know, remember Captain Marvel flying around the rack of eternity with those vectors going off in different directions, and it's it's ten thousand years to. 10,000 years to Atlantis and 2,000 years to Cleopatra and all right. Now, if you want to really be able to run those vectors and really have a handle on this, then you need our summer Sophia system. And that is in the seventh ray, number three, the green ray. And that is available on Amazon for, I guess, about 19 bucks or something like that. And it's worth it. So those of you who aren't associate members, of course, associate members, you get a prime price. But uh, 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 that's plug, plug. But uh, if you if you are really really want to dig into this, then I suggest that you get that that green ray and read that Summer Sophia article and just imagine as you're reading that article what kind of an engine this really is. This is this is an awesome concept. We can actually literally we keep we keep reducing down and reducing down and reducing down on on the well basically it's a, a, a version of the of the decans divided into into nine chambers. We continue, which if you think that if you're thinking the Kabbalah of nine chambers, you're right because it's part of it. And you keep reducing and reducing and reducing and reducing on a vector. And we can literally put a Greek letter on a planet going around a star 500 light years away. And we can do it with absolute precision. Now that has... So the more, as you can tell, the more precise you do, because the mind, the human mind, is... It not only is a vast computer, or it's hooked to the brain, which is a vast computer. It runs the brain. It, the mind is the software for the brain, as we say. That that is also connected to a network that makes it a supercomputer. And you, the more precise you make this uh, this this targeting for our astral celestial remote feeling, the more accurate you make it, the more accurate it will be. And it's up to you to decide how much mythological, 
how much mythological exploring are you going to do and how much real or what we call real? In other words, in in whatever direct line in this particular simultane that you're going to try to do, then you need to make those decisions, but those are your decisions to make. I think the mythological explorations, if you understand uh, understand the nature of mythology, I think myth- mythological ex- explorations are in their own way just as important. Magically, they certainly are. And um, the, the effect of this, you know, if you're wondering, well, what's this good for? Well, for one thing, this is good for for expanding and extending your consciousness. Expanding and extending your consciousness, giving you a... a, a it, it, moves you, it moves you closer to what we call God because, uh, you know, God, God is so awesome that, that the, the bigger you get and the more you extend yourself, the more awesome you realize God is, the more uh, the vaster his creation is. And that in itself is, uh, is part of the process of enlightenment. And to, to at the one, on the one hand, share in the power of God, share in the knowledge of God, and on the other, as you do so, you realize how little actually, that, that how much more you have to learn and how much more there is to learn and how much more there is to experience. And that is the the idea of 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 celestial magic is yes certainly to to know what's in store for you so you can work work uh, positively with it and turn the crank the way it goes astrologically and use uh, use your own horoscope as as a map to determine uh, where you are in this. A particular incarnation, and and also where we're going to be in the next one, and uh, you get an idea of what kind of progress you're making this time, and and I think that that the whole celestial magic process uh, is is probably uh, probably the closest we're going to be able to come, the closest experience we can have. To, to being to being God, godlike and to being uh, uh, to get away from this feeling of of of, uh, of a a small minuscule existence on a small planet out in the corner of the galaxy. Uh, they, I think that 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 this system and this approach will fulfill in many ways the promise of hermetic hermetic magic that that we come from the stars and to the stars we will return and I, 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 I encourage you to look into it more and and we're going to of course have a, a more detailed publication on what we've covered tonight but that remember that what you need to do this is you need you need Astronomical data. You need you need to be very familiar with astrology. You need uh, you need to have uh, a good idea of where it is you're going to go, and then you should, if you're going to do the archaeological uh, idea, then then get your best archaeological stuff. I have a book on on ancient Alexandria, a great big coffee table book 
which has reconstructions of what the city looked like. It even has an aerial view of, of the ancient city that, so, so we, can, we can fly on in. Uh, and, 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 of course, that lighthouse is, is Ferris Lighthouse. That's the, that's the, the landmark as you, as you come on into the city. And uh, uh, naturally, of course, you're going to want to visit the Serapi, and then you're going to want to visit the library. And, and uh, we even, one time when we were there, we, they were even having a riot. Uh, the, Christian, the Christian monks were, were uh, and their followers were rioting, and they had, according to Roman soldiers, holding them back. So you, you see, you, you, will, you will see some, some interesting things. And uh, certainly, this this is a uh, consciousness expanding experience. Um, I was uh, expecting uh, Frater Solomon to call in, but uh, he never did. Uh, anyway, um, so uh, that's uh, about all I have for tonight, and and uh, I will be back uh, next week um, with another with another show on an, on another interesting subject. And hopefully we'll uh, we'll we'll bring them up a guest. But uh, certainly, uh, meanwhile, I encourage you, based upon what we've been discussing tonight, I encourage you to get a hold of uh, the seventh ray, the green ray, book number three. On uh, you get it from Amazon and and read uh, read and study the Soma Sophia article. And meanwhile, uh, good magic, and we'll see you next week. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.